Turn with me to the book of Psalm, Psalm 1. We are ministering on how to be happy all the time, or literally the title is, I am happy all the time. So let's confess that together. I am happy all the time. Now, do you believe that? Well, I do. So I would ask you, my question when we start is, when was it that you became happy all the time? Nobody's born that way. Nobody even uh, can say that because they had a great event, they got married or they had a child or they got uh, uh, their business got launched or something that would be a joyous thing. You could say, well, that's when I became happy all the time. Well, we have to look at you and me after that, after the after the baby kept you up all night, were you saying, I'm still happy all the time, bless the Lord. And uh, so no matter what's challenged you, listen to me, whatever's challenging you, because it is a challenge to live in this world. Jesus said, we're in it, but we're not of it. And so it's challenging. So to be happy all the time, despite challenges, is our quest. One of many, but it's our quest. And actually, if you line up everything else that we're after, the sum of it would be it was to be happy. Please the Lord, of course, but that even makes us happy. When I believe I've pleased him, I'm happiest. And when I think I've disappointed him, I'm, 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 I'm happy to repent and confess it. But there's a transition there, a transaction. So I say we're just... We're, we ought to know what happiness is about. Now, it'd be, now, it would be dishonest to say, well, we just want spiritual teaching. We don't want that happy stuff. We want to know how to be healed and how to prosper and how to whatever. Well, all of that stuff is spokes on the wheel that go to happiness. We, we, we like to be happy. And we're happiest when we're happiest, so to speak. So it's just a lie. It's not honest to say, oh, it doesn't matter to me. I'm just here in the Lord's army. I'm just whatever comes. I'm just, you know, that's just not, that's not honest. Because we all have to stop our busy lives and look inside and say, are you, son, are you happy? And if you're not, why aren't you? And what would make you happy? And we've believed lots of lies. I know somebody in my family, uh, the, the, they love the land. And I remember my dad telling me all the time, they're not making any more of it. You better get you some of it. And he loved the land. He just, he just that was everything to have land. Well, I, I, I like land, I guess. But it's just a business tool. It's just something you do to, to get something you don't have. But I like people. People is my thing. And it's not something that comes easy. We all like easy people, but liking people means you got to like all of them. You don't have to approve of them. You don't have to go out with them, but, but you're, you're moved by people. So the question, I think, of everybody's life, there's three of them I wrote down, is how can I know what will make me happy all the time? How can I know? Will God speak it? Well, is it in the word or is it an experience? I found me a picture of my motorcycle uh, yesterday afternoon, my Goldwing. And I mean, I was just, that was like, it was like your firstborn. I, I hate to compare it to that, but at the time I'd already had my first and second. And so that was old news. But this little motorcycle was just something at that moment that was just wonderful. And when I got to get on it and ride, it, it weighed a lot. It weighed 850 pounds. So, you know, you had to, and, and then us shorty boys, you know, we barely can straddle it and touch on both sides. But I loved it. And it was a season. And then I sold it. And I wouldn't, I didn't regret it. I wouldn't go back to it. Do y'all know those times in your lives where something passed through your life and it was so good, but you wouldn't say that would keep you forever? So how can I know what will make me ha truly happy all the time? That would be the first question. The second question is what would the new conditions that be that allowed me to be happy? In other words, what has to change? What's making me unhappy that if I could get rid of him or get rid of 
whatever that I, there's a, I can't be happy as long as they're in the way. Wouldn't that be a question we'd ask on a quest to happiness is who is in the way of me being happy? So we, we're expecting change. And the third thing is how much would it cost? What is the emotional cost? What is the uh, transitional cost? What, what's the cost for me to be happy? Because it might be more trouble than it's worth. That would only be if you have happiness to be underrated. Being happy is very, very important in your life. It's the strength of marriage. It's the strength of raising children. It's the strength of serving God. It's the strength of getting along with people and being. Is that you've got to be happy in yourself. Uh, I, I wrote a wisdom nugget. I'm writing wisdom nuggets right now. I'm up to 109, and I'll share them with you sometime. But uh, one of my wisdom nuggets, I was, uh, like I said, I have a granddaughter in the house here, and I'm not used to 11-year-old girls asking questions about everything. <laughs> everything. Well, why'd you do that? Well, when are you going to do it again? And why didn't you do it over here? And just on and on and on. So I wrote my wisdom nugget is, is uh, there are a lot of grumpy old men. <laughs> and why do they... Do they think that they are uh, licensed by their challenges to be grumpy old men? And I went on from there. So uh, what makes you grumpy? What makes you unhappy? What makes you, what gets under, what's the burr under your saddle, as they say in West Texas? What, what causes you to ride high uh, and, and not, and what, what, calm down? Is it, if you could go to the beach, could, if you go to the beach and sit out there on the water, would that make you happy? But then you got to come home. Even people that live at the beach don't live at the beach. They, they, they don't go all the time. They're used to it. Is that right? People that live in the mountain, oh, we could just go to the mountain and be up there. It would be so peaceful. That's a euphemism. That's not even true. It would be an absence of turmoil because you'd be checked out and nobody would be calling you asking you where the stapler was or something. But... But it, you, all of that, at the end of the week, you've got to wrap it up and come home. So it's just kind of an exit. So that's not really happiness, is it? So you'd have to say, what does it cost for me to be happy? Because even moving to the beach wouldn't do it. It might be closer, and it might be, yeah, it'd be way fun. But eventually, you'd have to go grocery shopping and, and, uh, and buy new tires and, and, you know, brush your teeth, stuff like that. If you were to ask the world these questions, number one, you'd ask, how can I know what will make me happy? The world would tell you that it's subject to money and people and place, things like that. They would say, if you want to get happy, you better position yourself. Get rid of unhappy things. How many of you all know that's just the love of your life, the sweetheart of your dreams, the one that you're, that you're waking up to next time? Even though they're everything and everything. Sometimes you can be like that joke. They can be grump grump. And they can be, you know, that this isn't a happy day. Even though you, they make, you know what I mean. Uh, but the kingdom of God would say that the answer for happiness is in the word. All of it. Y'all say amen a little better. We're, we're on tape this morning and they, they think y'all know. The second question we said is, what would the new conditions be that allows me to be happy? The world would tell you that, honestly, there's a system. It's a system of competition. There's just so much happy spots. There's just so much contented places. And if you weren't born rich, and uh, if you are just, you're going to have to compete and compare with other people to get your slice of the pie. In other words, you're going to have to work at it to be happy. And it's a struggle. When you have to work at something, it's a struggle. You all know what struggle means. It, it just means that you're not happy, but you're trying to get happy. But by the time you get there, everything's changed and you've got to start over. But the kingdom would say to be born again and live by the word and by the Holy Ghost is the answer to that. The third question I ask is how much would it cost to me to be in that happy place? The world would say all of your life. And you won't ever get there, but you can just get close, like the waves on the beach. Some of them come right up here, and then some of them wash your castle away. That's kind of like that is. But the kingdom would say, 
Listen, it's all like Barry said, it's already done. It's paid for. It's yours. Just accept it at, by faith and it will come into your life. If you're waiting on something, you're not in faith because faith already has it. I said faith has it. Do you have it this morning? Do you have it? You got to have it. You can't say, well, when this works out, because it never will work out till something else comes along. So we can say from this that maybe that happiness, being happy all the time, is a faith project. I like that because I can get in faith. I can't get my money to change. I can't get the condo rent to come down. I can't get the, the, the beach any closer. You know, it's depending on how you fly. It's four and a half hours to the beach here. I know people that say they can make it in two hours and 20 minutes or something, but I, I don't know how they're driving. I'm driving everything the highway patrol will let me drive, and I don't get there that fast. So I'm going to challenge you and me to be the uncommon man and the exceptional woman and get happy. Become who you are, which is happy. And peel off all the junk mess and all the crud and all the, 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 the past and say, down there, there's a real happy person, and I'm going to live from there. Work is a challenge because you got people there of all colors and stripes and economic, and they got agendas. They're trying to use you for a, a step on the ladder to get above, and they'll just step on you and all that. So you, if you say, well, I have to quit, and to be quitting, I'll have to be rich, and if I have to be rich, I got I to gotta hold up a bank or something like that. Um, it's, it's quite challenging in the world, but for you and me, I just got to decide to be happy. I just have to decide. So we, how many of us this morning would say, I decide to be happy? I decide. I, I'm not deciding to try. I'm deciding. I'm choosing to be happy. Well, what if this happens? I'm happy. What if that doesn't come to pass according to your plans? I'm already happy. What if Uncle Bud comes by and, and lays a, a, a trip on you? Woohoo, we're happy all the time. And I'll tell you, it'll change your life. This roller coaster thing is highly overrated, it's hard on your emotions. You don't live as long when you're in stress and trying to get something that's always being knocked out of the way. Something that's always got an issue, always got a trouble. Uh, happiness is a, the world would call it a state of mind, but we would call it a state of righteousness. It's who I am. He didn't make me the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus and say, but it's going to be a little tough out there. Nope, I'm at the top of the hill. I'm on the head of the stack. I am happy. I just choose to. What if this trouble comes? Ah, I'm so excited because of the kingdom. That doesn't, we don't even give place to the world because we're so in the kingdom. Psalm 1. Now this is an interesting little, a little place to go for happiness and it's Old Testament, but we'll go back to the new. It says in Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh in the counsel of the ungodly. First thing I need to do is tell you what blessed means. The word, if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's really amazing, but it's really short. The word blessed means how happy, exclamation point. You can write that out in your Bible there. How happy. How happy is the man that walketh? How happy. I like that. So I'm going to get some instructions about how to be how happy. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Well, you know, I can do that. I love stuff in the Bible that I can do. It says, if you'll do this, you'll have that. And I look at the should do's and I say, I can do that. If you said climb every mountain, swim every sea, hold your, hold your breath for four and a half minutes, I, I'm done. I'm, I'm gone. But I can, I can walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. I can steer. Y'all see we're steering. We're, we're like, uh, we're just, we're steering through obstacles and, and traps and temptations. We're steering, but 
we got Holy Ghost to steer, so we, we're, we're missing that. We're missing all that. So uh, we, he goes on, but his delight. I looked up that word. Now, that's an interesting word, too. It means pleasure, of course, but it also means possessing valuable things. And it also means things desired. So his delight, he's got a hold of valuable things. His delight is the law of the Lord. And, you know, that would be Old Testament. We would say the law of the kingdom. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. How many of y'all can do that? Day and night means all the time, means regular. And he's going to be happy all the time. And he shall be like, so there's an image here. There's a picture here. There's a, there's a parable here. If you can see that, you'll know what, what he means. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So those three things right there are indicative of the ha what's going on when you're happy. You're not up and down. You're not doing without. You're not wishing you had something you can't get or lamenting that someone stepped in front of you for your inheritance and they got, a, they got all of mama's money and, and left you with nothing and so you're unhappy. Happens all the time. You just got to decide no matter what happens, I'm happy boy. I am happy boy. That's how it is and it won't be different than that. Now this is important. Because this whole message or this whole series is based on not information. We're going to give some here, but it's based on us deciding this very thing. I just choose. I choose to be happy. And it'll be tested every day. Every day and probably several times in the day. You'll, you'll have a chance to say, I sure am happy. How happy am I? How happy? How happy is indicative of a couldn't be happier. It's like, yeah, buddy, happy. Amen. Uh, so he says the master key to happiness. Now, did y'all get that in, in, uh, in uh, verse 2? In his law doth he meditate day and night. He says the master key to happiness is to meditate on, we'll just fill in the New Testament part, who I am. If you ever think you're a worm and you don't deserve it and you're condemned and the, the Lord don't like you anymore and the devil's big, then you're not going to be happy. You're going to be thinking about that. So first of all, we meditate day and night on who we are. Bless God, I just did that and I just didn't do that. And I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as he is, so am I in this world. He always causes me to triumph in him. Greater is he. I'm a, I, I, I feel like I could be a worm because I did that or didn't do that. But greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I'm whipping everything because of who's in me. And then you have to meditate what that is, who you are. But then you meditate. Let's meditate on what we can do. I can do anything that he's called me to do. And then you have to meditate on what you can have. Can, can you have a cabin? Can you have a, a beach place? Or can you have a car that has a, a, a electric seats or a, a, what do you call the heated seats? I used to think that's the craziest thing ever was is heated seats back, back in the 80s. I like, what kind of wimpy man would get in and hit that button? Well, I would actually. <laughs> I, I am. I, I like those. Me and Barry Paul, we like the bottom part of our body to be warmed up. Hallelujah. We don't like suffering. Hallelujah. So, uh, so we're going to have to, to meditate. That means you got to see and hear. See and hear. You got to, what do you got to see? You got to see the word. You got to hear the word. You can't just decide and say, bless God, I'm going to decide that I'm the head and not the foot tail. You got to see it. You got to meditate on it. You got to read it because there's an assault or there's a pushback from the word against who you are, what you have and what you can do. There's a pushback. It's called the devil. It's called the curse. It's called sin. It's called condemnation. Y'all, y'all look at me like, what's he talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. We've all been there. 
but we're pressing through it. So it's seeing and hearing, and then we believe. If you see the promise more than you see the condemnation and the shame of who, how you feel, you'll believe. And when you believe, the word says faith speaks. Faith will speak of its own. It won't be like, well, give me the book and I'll read the book of what I should say. That's not it. That's, that does not move a mountain. What moves the mountain is faith that says. What does it say in 2 Corinthians 4? Well, verse 13 says, I believed and therefore I spoke. Or I speak. Spoke. So it's believing that, that believes enough to speak. Oh, how will I know if I'm in faith? Just listen. Listen to you. Have someone else listen to you. That's not as handy. They, they, they tend to rub it in and rail on it a little bit. Hallelujah. The Amplified said, blessed, happy, fortunate, prosper, prosperous, and enviable. How do y'all like that Amplified thing? Blessed, happy, fortunate, prosperous, and enviable. Now that's a happy fella. That's a happy gal is the man who walks and lives not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path where sinners walk, nor sit down where the scornful gather. Now, I left out some of the abbreviations, uh, the, the, the descriptions. But his delight, so there's a choice. There's a choice. He's telling you the word but there means happy is the man who does not this, but he does do this. So it's not enough just to say, I'm going to stay away from filthy mouth people. He said, but his delight and desire. So when you desire to meditate the, the truth, you're by default moving away from the counsel of the ungodly. Does that mean we're going to have to be mindful of who we listen to? Yes. Yes. And if you, if you just can't tell them, you just have to leave them. You just have to, you have to navigate. We can take a lot. We can listen to stuff and say that, that guy is ignorant as he can be. But if you listen to someone enough in a long time and it's authoritative, some of it will try to get in you and you just have to fight back, don't you? So, uh, but his delight and desire are in the law of the Lord and in his law, he habitually meditates by day and by night. And he shall be like a tree firmly planted. Here we go. By the streams of water, ready to bring forth his fruit in its season. His leaf also shall not fade or wither. Only the Amplified could figure that out. And everything he does shall prosper and come to maturity. Everything he does. Let's first person that. Everything I do. Now that's pretty broad. That's pretty long. That's pretty deep to say everything I do. So if we're not having to backtrack from mistakes, you know, a jerky back is when you mess up and you got to back out of it, repair it, fix it, and then get back on the right road. I mean, we all have had a, too many of those. But you just sail through the first time. You just, you just get it right the first time. Everything that you do prospers. That's an amazing life. You go, well, how come... How come the word talks about the things that happen all the time, how we prosper and everything we put? It's because of no jerky backs. No, you just drive through. You get it right the first time. We have an amazing life when we don't have to back up and redo. Get it right the first time. Speak to the mountain right the first time instead of taking it on the chin. Uh, the passion. Y'all care if I read a little passion here. What delight comes to those who follow God's ways? They won't walk in step with the wicked, nor share the sinner's way, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Their pleasure, this is where we're going, their pleasure and passion is remaining true to the word of I am. Pleasure. Like, why do y'all go to church? Y'all, because it's a pleasure. Why are you reading the word? Can't you find you something that's got Rambo in it? It's our pleasure. Meditating day and night in the true revelation of light. 
They will be standing firm like a flourishing tree planted by God's design. God's design. We're praying out in the Holy Ghost God's design on our life. To be at the right place at the, with the right people. And it says, uh, I like this, deeply rooted by the brooks of bliss. Oh, that's the passion right there. The brooks of bliss, really? Bearing fruit in every season of their lives. They are never dry, never fainting, ever blessed, ever prosperous. I want to be happy all the time. This, this is me. This is who, that's who, this is you. This is us. Happy all the time. Not grump, grump days. Not like, well, stare around her because, you know, something didn't fall in line. And you know how she gets when that happens. You know what he's like. Matthew chapter 6. Turn to Matthew 6. We? Matthew 6. I'm happy all the time. I'm happy all the time. I tell my life just as much as I would tell it be healed or I would tell it to, to uh, uh, be funded. I would say, Michael Ray, you are happy all the time. You are the happiest camper anybody's ever met. They get around you and they get happy. Nobody knows the challenges that I go through. Nobody wants to know the challenges you go through. They want to know what the victory is. You think, well, I got to tell them the, the challenges so they'll know I had a true victory. We all know how life is. We all know there's no escapees. There's nobody that's going around troubles and they just got a perfect life. Well, you, we know when you're happy, you've overcome something. Because we know how life is. It says in Matthew chapter 6. Don't you just love Matthew 6? Verse 24. Leave. Let's see if I'm in the right chapter again. Nope, that's not it. Oh. Verse 24. No man can serve two masters. Let's say it together. No man can serve two masters. Now let's first person it. I cannot serve two masters. Now, you got to get this. This thing is a hub with, with things all through our lives. I cannot serve two masters. I mean, you can read it real fast. It's just a few words. We can't serve two masters. You can't serve. You got to serve Jesus. You can't serve Jesus in money. You can't serve Jesus in power. You can't serve Jesus and convenience. You go, well, yeah, but no, you got to serve Jesus and then he'll bring you all the other things. It says no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold on to the one and despise the other. We talked about this last week, how that's strife and with strife there's every evil work. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. The word for mammon there is the word security. See, you're either trusting God or you've got a system set up to be safe. Doesn't mean you can't have a storm shelter, but it'd be better if you had a finger that pointed to the west and, and a mouth that said, you may be somewhere, but you're not where I am. Am I telling the truth there? You, you can't do that from the storm shelter or, or, you know, maybe that's not a good example. I don't want to. I'm not putting down anybody that does that. I'm just saying there's a higher place where we speak to things because we know who our master is. And it says, therefore, I say to you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, for yet your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment, than clothing. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, and nor gather into barns, yet your Heavenly Father feedeth them, and are ye not much better than they? This is so powerful. We, we could stop anywhere and go hours. Which of you, by taking thought, could add only one cubit into his stature? Now, I've worked on that one. <laughs> I've taken a few thoughts and said, let's need four inches, Lord. Four inches up. That way I'll be four foot eleven. <laughs> now, actually, I'm Four foot 16 is 17 is what I am. 
Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to a stature? Then why take ye thought of raiments? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these, one of these. Wherefore, so I said all that to say this, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall ye, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Wherefore, here it is, verse 31, wherefore take no thought. See, that'd be a happy life. See, we, we get off happy when we take, Thought. The, the word here is actually anxious thought. He said, wherefore, if, if all of these things are true and you're going to just serve one master, he said, well, then take no thought saying, saying, believing, therefore I speak. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherefore shall we be clothed? Now, you know, he's talking about life there. He's not talking about your your wardrobe. For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Now you got to meditate that. You got you to have an inventory of your thoughts, your anxious thoughts. What did I think about today? Well, I watched James Spann and he said, it's button it down, it's coming. Or I listened to the president say, uh, uh, inflation's going to be here for a while. And gas is going up and all the bad news, all the things that are contrary. Well, when gas is $2 a gallon and there is no inflation, anybody can be happy. But I tell you, they're not. They're not happy. They just look for lesser things. Gas has got them occupied now. Gasoline, you know, and they're carrying on. That's why they're unhappy. But they're always unhappy. It didn't matter when gas was $2. They were, they were cranked up about it. And so that's not it. You can't say when stuff goes down and things get better and we get a new president or whatever you, whatever you say, I'll be happy. You got to be happy now. I said, I got to be happy now. I just say there will always be enough money to fill my car up. It doesn't matter if it's $17 a gallon. We got, we got $17 a gallon money. If that's what I need, that's what I have because he supplies it. And we just don't take a thought. We just don't take a thought. We don't just gripe about it and say, oh, nah. See, Barry and Melissa and, and the, the halls and, and the caches could say, we can't go to church right now because we're over the river and through the woods. And, you know, we're, we're having to look at this. But you notice they never, we take no thought. We take no anxious thought saying, what, what will we pay for gas? Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. So I got some things here I want to just list. First of all, the mark and evidence of a happy man. Happy woman. Do y'all want to know what the mark is and the evidence of a happy woman, a happy man is? The uncommon man, the exceptional woman. I knew you would, so I wrote some things down. First of all, the mark is that, that we serve one master and we allow him to have authority over every dimension in our life. We serve one master. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Not Jesus and money. Not Jesus in my job. Jesus is Lord. I have a job. I have money. But none of those are Lord. Now this one's going to be a little tough to swallow. So you're just going to have to meditate this. It won't be hard for you. But, but I will tell you I'm adamant about this. I believe it. But it's up to you. It's up to what you think. The mark and evidence of a happy man is that he's wealthy that he's funded, that he's supplied, that he's overflowing, and that he's generous. And right now, in your mind, you could be saying, of all the exceptions that you can think of it, well, what about this and what about that? I'm telling you, we're, we're having the mark of a happy all the time. We're not saying you, you have to have money to be happy, 
but I'm saying you, you got to be funded. You got to be overflowing if you want to be happy all the time. Because then if you're not, if you, if you're not overflowing, you are taking anxious thoughts about your supply. It comes up. Which bill do we pay? Or it comes up. Can we afford that? Those are not negatives. Those are not condemnation. Those, we're just saying we're looking at the happy man. Happy all the time. And he's funded. He's funded. You never had so much fun as when you got funded and started giving it away. Started, well, I'll go into that later. So I say that Christians cannot be happy all the time without a natural supply. Now, y'all just let me pour it out there and then you can just you, you can take a bite of whatever you want. And let me explain that money multiplies who anybody is. If you're a crook, it'll just make you a, 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 a well, well, uh, you can do crookeder things more often. <laughs> and if you're a if you're a righteous man, money won't corrupt you. If you're a righteous woman, it'll just make you do what you already are. Money multiplies who you are. Well, they got that money and they just went crazy, so we don't want any money. Ah, they were already crazy. They just couldn't afford to do anything that you could notice. And they got some money and they said, let's, let's hit the town. And so money, real controversial. I've been hearing a lot of people quote scripture lately on the news or whatever. And they'll say money is, money is the root of all evil. Uh, <laughs> that's what they say. I, the money is the root of all evil. But money uh, increases a righteous man, a righteous woman, increases our influence. The word says, we could look it up, maybe we will another time, but it says in Ecclesiastes that nobody listened to the poor wise man. The word says that uh, he delivered a city from a an attacking army. I wish I'd have looked it up, but I didn't. And it said, but nobody listened to the poor wise man. And you might not think it's right. You might not think it's fair. But people listen to money. And they don't listen to poverty. And if you want to be influential, and you do, that's what makes us happy. Is who we are, we convey it. We reproduce it. We multiply who we are. We want people to have what we are and to do what we do in the things of the kingdom. You've got to have money. You can hardly imagine what taking someone out for a meal. The door that opens. It seems like you're chomping down on a tortilla, but you're not. Such potential. Words spoken over a meal. It's what the Lord Jesus did. He got people where, where they sat down and, and said, pass the guacamole or whatever they did back then. And uh, he, he, they were listening. And there's a certain indebtedness that comes into that. So uh, uh, money increases our ability and our uh, capacity. You can do things that rich people, that poor people can't do. And it, there's no doubt if you, with your own children, you can put them in a better school or a better whatever, whatever. I know you can abuse that, but you can put them in a better school. But if you don't have any money, then you can't do anything, hardly much. It can turn out okay, but it's just easy to have money, pay it, and go on about the kingdom. And I find in Malachi 3 where it says, bring ye the tithe into the storehouse, says, bring ye the tithe, all the tithe into the storehouse, that when you bring the tithe, you have to bring the man. It does not say send the tithe. It says bring the tithe. Do you all remember that? So when you bring the tithe, you bring the man. So your money causes you to be before God. Now, I don't want to stretch anything here, but bringing the tithe brings the man to God. And... Whenever we get before the Lord in any kind of faith transaction, just like we, we, we put a lot of emphasis here at River Church on the tithe, not for financial side, 
Not for you. You might not believe that. Everybody, oh, the preacher's just after your money. I don't care what they say. We do it for the transaction. We make a big deal. We celebrate it because if we can't celebrate it, how is heaven ever going to pay attention? And so putting it at a bucket at the back, excuse me, there's no transaction. You, you, just, you just transferred money, but it, there's no transaction. Unless you can get off by yourself and transact and whatever. But we just do it in the whole church. We just transact it together. And it's easy to confess the truth. I bring my tithe in the storehouse and now the windows are open. Right now the windows are open for me and, and poured out is what I need and where I'm going. It's just easy when we're all together. Just do that. It just takes a few minutes. But it's a transaction. And so we're talking about the happy man is prosperous. He's generous. He's supplied. He's funded. And if you don't feel like you're prosperous then giddy up. Don't be cavalier and just say, ah, money, I don't care anything about money because God doesn't care anything about money. He created it. It's uh, the system of it. Uh, money is authority. I know that because I've seen people that are controlled by money. They're after it. They'll do anything for it. They'll cross lines that you and I would never even speak about. They'll cross them to get money. They'll do things. So you could actually say if if you aren't controlling money, your money, then you could say that by default, money is controlling you because somebody's always in control. There's no neutral zone that you just say, ah, money doesn't do anything for me. Sure it does. It's either under your control or it's controlling you. Now, you can argue with me about it later if you want to, but I'll win. Uh, Y'all ever looked at that scripture in Ecclesiastes? I think it's chapter 10, verse 19, where it says money answereth all things. Money answereth all things. Have y'all ever read that? Well, it's in there. You look it up. 10, 19. Money answereth all things. What that means is it testifies. It testifies. You can't say someone's not spiritual because they don't have any money. We would not and we don't. But you could just say, and I've witnessed this all over the world, that it testifies that they're not satisfied. They're striving for something that's natural. And when we seek first the kingdom, we're not supposed to be striving for things that are natural. And basically, you could say someone that doesn't have money admits in their pursuit of money that they're not happy. Otherwise, why, why aren't they just let, let it be like it is. No, they think money will help their happiness. Don't you and I think that money is a key to us being happy? Well, let's just back it up. Do you remember when you didn't have any money and what you were doing, you were after it? Oh, come on, you holy things. You know I'm right. We were all after it. It's dog eat dog. It's the early bird gets the worm. It's sit on the can. But now we're learning that, well, here's how I like to say it. Why put your shoulder against a 300-pound door to open it up when a three-ounce key will unlock the door? Seek ye first the kingdom. That's the three-ounce key. Competition in comparison is the 300-pound door. And knock yourself out. But there's a key to open it, and it's in the faith realm. So I, I've always said, and I think you'd agree, that if I had, you had 30 minutes with somebody else's checkbook stubs, you'd know exactly what kind of life they were leading. You could see their priorities. You could see what they were doing, what they were looking to, how, they, how fearful. fearful. Uh, if they were putting in a $10,000 alarm system, you might say, they're not speaking to the storm. Or something like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm not making good examples, but uh, you look at someone's checkbook. You can tell if they're a slave or a master. I've always lived right on the edge. It's like God just double dog dare not to have enough. 
And I can tell you, now i just bring this up because I got the pulpit. <laughs> uh, I looked at that Goldwing motorcycle yesterday. I gave about, uh, yeah, I gave about 13 grand for it. That cost as much as a car if you buy a new one. They're, they're, they're way out there. And I sold it for about 10, so I lost three grand on it in two years. And uh, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, if I had waited to afford it, if I just said, I'm going to wait till the money comes in, and I'm not talking about debt here, and I'm not, I like, I like debt free. But in my case, if I, I never would have had it. And it's a real integral, it's a real important part in my life. I'm not advocating you get a motorcycle or an RV or whatever. Everybody's different. Everybody has their, their thing, but that was my thing. And uh, I actually went to a meeting in Tulsa with Colin and uh, attended a youth meeting in Tulsa. And when I came back, Debbie had bought me a Honda ACE 750 motorcycle because I had it on my filing cabinet, a picture of it. Now, she didn't know what color was on the filing cabinet, but that's what was in the driveway when I got home. Well, there's lots of stories about that, but my point is there's several things that if I didn't just believe God and jump in, I wouldn't have never got them. My life would have been complete, but boy, I've got, I got, I am full. I've had a motorcycle and I've been everywhere and I, I it's just such a, uh, I'm so grateful. Uh, where am I now? Well, let's just say this and we'll quit. God meets everybody where they are. But I will tell you this, there's scripture that would say that God judges us where we should be. Uh, what does it say in James about uh, 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 him, for him that knows to do good and does it not, what is it? For him it is sin. So that indicates that we better giddy up. We better get done what he's called us, equipped us, sent people into our lives, funded, opened doors, uh, endowed us with personality skills and, and uh, educational skills and, and mentors in our life. That he has an expectation, just like the master that gave his servants five, two, and one talents according to their several ability, according to their capacity. He's given you and me things to do something with. Not, he's just not passing it out like Santa Claus. He's given you and I an assignment and he, he's faithful to equip us for that. And so he's going to judge us based on what we got done, not what we did. Now that's not scary because we're willing. Are you willing? We, oh, yes, we are. And the next thing he assigns to me or you, you're going to say, yes, sir. Be, it'll, I'll be happy all the time while I'm doing that. I'd like to read another scripture, but I'll just wait. I will say that in Acts 20, 35, the Bible says, the Lord Jesus, it says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus. So we should listen. How he said, it is more blessed to give than receive. Now that word blessed, how, what does it mean? How happy. It is more how happy, exclamation point, to give than to receive. So I will say this, you are never happier than when you're giving. And the word says in 2 Corinthians 9, he gives seed to the sower. So you don't even have to come up with it. It's not like I earned this, this is mine, and I, I hate to give it because it would go do something else for me. It would have never even been there. It was the seed he gave you to sow. It's not even a part of your inventory or a part of your, your, uh, uh, your yeah, inventory of things that you got. It's not yours. Wouldn't you and I hate to drive a car that the front left fender was the tithe? 
You're driving around God's tithe and you go, oh, and this is a great thing. Nobody, nobody's impressed. Lots of people are driving around with stuff that's bought with God's stuff. I mean, in a, in a technical sense. We're not being picky here. But he'll give you the whole car if you just give him the front left fender. Amen. Well, isn't Jesus wonderful? We're going to, we're talking about happiness. It's technical in one sense, but not really. Just make Jesus Lord and get rid of everything else. We'll talk about how to do that and what it looks like, but basically that's it. Make Jesus Lord of every part of your life. No children, Jesus and children. No, no Jesus and spouse. No Jesus and, and business. No Jesus and your job. No, no. I got Jesus in there. Ah, he's in there somewhere. I, I remember putting him up one day. No, it's Jesus. And that is the challenge. And to do it, you got to meditate. I told Deborah Ann this morning, I said, one of my very favorite scriptures, it just speaks to me volumes. I just love it. Ye are bought with a price and not your own. It just reminds me, hey, hey, big boy, you, 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 this isn't yours. You're not responsible. You're not, this isn't you. You are bought with a price. Well, I want this and I'm, I'm going to do that and I'm not going to church because I, I'm busy or I'm not going to tithe this month because I bought with a price. It's not even on the screen. So, Lord, we thank you for purchasing us out of sin and out of poverty and lack, out of sickness and pain. Lord, you purchased us. You bought us outright. You paid with your blood. And we are free indeed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And we just acknowledge, Lord, by that, by that, and by that, Jesus is Lord. And we just say we'll have no other gods before you. And Holy Ghost, we ask you, we invite you, we we, we implore you to speak to us when any kind of idolatry becomes attached to us. I don't want it. It'll be delicious for the minute. It'll be pleasurable for the hour. It'll be a delight for the day. But Lord, it's not what makes us happy all the time. So we just get rid of it. Surrender it. I surrender it. I surrender it all over the house. We just surrender things that have crept in, just crept in. Not, they didn't bang in. They just crept in. And we just say, no, I'm not going to get rid of my husband. I'm not going to get rid of my children. But Jesus is Lord. Hallelujah. And that'll be the happiest I'll ever be. We give you praise, Lord, for helping us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I didn't get to read you my thing here. I'll read it next week. It's uh, How Much is Enough? I've read it to you a long time ago, but we'll read it next Sunday. It is so cool. It is so cool. Does anybody have an, a word? Something that, need, that didn't get said that needs to be said in this service? Everybody good? Amen.